What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Only two games left before the end of 2023. We will try to come to you guys on the next episode before then, so this will not be the final one before the new year. Hope everybody had a wonderful Merry Christmas with friends and family. Heading towards that uh, aforementioned new year. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, this is... Like I said, we're close to the new year already, which means we're here with conference play, and we know that's what we start off with tomorrow. Us and UIC are playing the second game, which are the only two teams that haven't, as we know. But other games start in the new year, and it starts with this. And we'll we'll touch on the blowout, the expected blowout of USI that was that Friday night. But it's really exciting to know that conference play is here. What's going on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, finishing up non non-conference with a big win and um, all eyes are on conference season and we know what kind of a grind playing in the Valley is. So it's, it's time to buckle up and all roads to St. Louis start now. Yeah. And we mentioned on previous pods that uh, all session tickets are out. We still have to iron out some things on our end, but we, we should be ironing out that all in uh, purchasing a lot of things with that here here soon hopefully everybody else is as well like i said we'll talk about this us usi game here and then we'll talk about some other things and we tweeted earlier and got some good feedback on a mailbag which i think we'll end the podcast with after our preview once we fit it in here and we'll have the usual stuff otherwise noah let's dive into the screaming eagles game i didn't go i had you know family in town you know was with them wasn't really i was kind of feeling under the weather as well you went to this game, and so in terms of just takeaways and things we'll talk about, I'll get your perspective, your perspective a little bit more. Uh, you know, it was a great crowd, and you know the blizzard was a thing. You could talk about how that was for someone that was there, uh, but even for a Friday night, and even if you know they're showcasing the blizzard itself, you know, against a lowly opponent, there could be some local people making the trip on their end and stuff. But it was a really good crowd. Um, your thoughts on that overall and then dive into – I just had it on here. One of the the main takeaways of the game was who wasn't there. You can just touch on that, maybe some things we've heard. And then um, I had some takeaways here, but other stuff that, that you took away from this game uh, from beginning to end, like I said, in this blowout, 31 points. Yeah, it definitely was um, one of the best crowds of the year so far. And, yeah, the, the blizzard was definitely pretty lackluster. Um, if you're there in person, um, I, I sent you a video of it and it, it just, it just, it was a decent idea, I think, but, um, just didn't end up being very well. And now they're planning doing the balloon drop again tomorrow. So, uh, tomorrow night. So it's, they're coming up with creative ideas, trying to get more fans there. And obviously with a large crowd, um, team took care of business like we expected them to. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, there was, you know, Kate Hornecker wasn't on the bench. And that was one of the things you took. You texted me and said, what could it be? And obviously, we don't exactly know, you know, the reasons behind it could be stuff with his injury, could be just, you know, anything in general. That was one of the biggest things of this. No Cade. We know that he's really not close to returning. We haven't really heard an update, you know, about him since the start of the year. He's had the boot, was on the scooter, hasn't been on that in a while. Uh, But that's just something to monitor there. Um, but overall from the game, I mean, uh, as this, 
this is a game clearly we needed to win big and we're definitely glad that we did, you know, Clarence, you know, had a lot of energy at the start of the game, which was good. And we continuously talk about, you know, if they finally find ways for Scotty to play, that means Clarence has to up his game a little more to know, again, if, if Scotty comes in for me, I'm, I'm upset, sure. And I'm going to make sure they don't take, take him out for me again or take me out for him again kind of thing. So Clarence definitely set the tone. He was, um, you know, active on the boards. He was active in shot attempts and stuff, and they weren't the worst kind of shot attempts exactly. Uh, but he was active, which was great to see. And just in general, because you said you were there, saw the blizzard and stuff, definitely lackluster. Um, I was just thinking to myself, I don't remember the last home game I wasn't at and that I watched on TV. It's been a long time. Um, some other things from this, we finally saw uh, Jared at the four, which is what we've kind of been preaching for a while. It almost seems like if him and Troy are out there with a center, because it was him, Troy, and Clarence that Troy's a three, as we know, he's got, you know, more guard skills and Jarrett's the four, um, which is again, what we want to see. And that's a big, that's a lineup that I think can work down the road. It just all depending on matchups, as we know, uh, Noah Yovan was better in this game. We know he didn't score in the other one and had like three or something minutes in the game, struggled, played better in this scored, made his threes and also rebounded well, uh, but no, obviously more notable than, or just as notable in general as Cade not being there, takeaways wise, was the fact that we saw a lot of newcomers in the game. And that was led by Sheridan Sharp. Uh, obviously, I saw it on TV as well. Your thoughts on what you saw from Sheridan? I mean, he didn't, he didn't get a field goal, but at least he's, you know, he's, you know, drawn fouls, getting to the line. What'd you think of his aggressiveness and anything else that stuck out to you, mostly in this game? And then we can, I guess, dive into a box score, but it was all the newcomers. Most of them outside of Kennard that finished that game there the other night. Yeah, I got to see a lot of different lineups. And, um, I mean, being up 39-14 at halftime, uh, just playing a lot of different lineups and just work, seeing some things before conference play with the big lead that you had. It wasn't the prettiest basketball, but it was – I think Brian said it after the game, if I remember now. Uh, it, it's – probably their most complete game of the year so far and and they just played pretty well and kept it going so I mean yeah seeing those younger guys get get an opportunity I thought Sheridan was never going to get the opportunity just only get six minutes in this one I thought he deserved a lot more especially to see him and RJ and the Trey Millers and Scotties get those more extra minutes because Depth is key. We've been talking about it all year long, and they need to use it with this team. Yeah, and we saw, you know, RJ had a, a you know, a rim run and had a layup, which was good to see. We saw, you know, Sheridan and Trey play together was interesting. Um, but in terms of just garbage time, you kind of expect to see most of them. And like we said, Kennard's too important. Clearly, he's not going to be out there. You want to give Jarrett more, more and more time out there. Uh you know, he had – he's he's almost every single game he's played, he's got 16 minutes on the dot. So they're, like, managing him around that. But in the conference play, there's zero doubt that Jarrett needs to needs to get up towards 20 or more. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, the, again, this is – garbage time-wise, you know, seeing those guys and their chemistry compared to, like, what you could see. Because, again, if you saw RJ with a nice layup, you'd see him on one end, you know, you know, not do great on defense kind of thing. So again, the guys who don't, you don't usually see are going to show, you know, semi bad signs to where, okay, yeah, then they're not going to be part of that rotation. As we know, AJ Ferguson could come back tomorrow. We don't know this at all. 
you know, even the pictures, we always try to dig deep into some like pregame pictures. They, they post, they posted a couple of uh, days ago about the guys returning and, you know, we obviously didn't see AJ in that, but open to seeing tomorrow, if not the start of the new year. So that factors in clearly as well about, who's doing what, but it was good to get all those guys in even, you know, games this big, we've been preaching too. Why is Chris Cross not getting into the game? But we understand if you're going to burn Sheridan's red shirt, clearly he needs to be out there. And again, if you were to put someone that wasn't out there, it'd be Jarrett, but you had to throw in, uh, you had to have some kind of size out there near the end, but everybody who played scored. And I mentioned uh, Sheridan got three free throws to fall. He, like I said, got to the rim, preached what Brian wants him to do was to get to the rim and what he does well. Made some of those. X did lead the team in scoring. He had 16, eight, 16, eight assists, seven rebounds, three steals. Uh, so he led the way. Trent had 10. Trent had a nice game. Uh, Troy had 11 and a nice bounce back game for him. And then Scotty, of course. Scotty with 11 points on perfect shooting in only nine minutes. So, again, it, it was a game we needed to – Needed to have, you know, we shot 52%. They were shooting awful. I remember throughout just clearly watching the game, knowing what they were shooting, but they ended up shooting 26% from the field at the end. We talked about Mark Smith's younger brother. He's a nice player. He's every bit of athleticism. He had 14 and 10, really led the way for them. I feel like when they did make shots, they were pretty nice looks and pretty nice shots overall. So we got our revenge uh, from last year's, mightily disappointing game and throttled them like we expected to 100%. So that ends the non-conference slate. And, uh, you know, before we jump in, obviously around the Valley, some other stuff, let's, you know, the record of non-conference is what we predicted. You know, I remember, I guess, going through eight and four in my head and thinking that and predicting that and obviously having an Oklahoma State loss and an Austin P win. Uh, So that's flip-flop, but the record's still the same. No, your overall thoughts on non-conference, what we did, what you liked. Obviously, this this could even feed into we'll talk when we talk about the mailbag. Some people have asked us about like, you know, what a surprise is this year or something. You don't really have to say that, but in terms of non-conference wise and the games, we've left some on the board there. And you can honestly make a case we could be undefeated. Know your your pros and cons of this 2023-2024 non-conference slate. Yeah, definitely definitely shown signs of this team of definitely where they could be down the road if they put all the pieces together and where their ceiling really could be. And they've shown where the floor is. And sometimes it's very ugly, but the depth is there. We talked about it. And Brian, we've talked about Brian saying this is his most talented team. And there's moments you see that and there's moments you're like, what in the hell is he talking about? So, I mean, once they get fully healthy and now they got Jarrett back going, definitely, I mean, we both we both agreed on eight and four for non-conference, and they'd done that. But yeah, they're leaving a couple off the board, especially the Austin P game, to at least get the nine nine and three um, at the end of the non-conference could be. But yeah, love love. I mean, they they fought in those games where they lost. Obviously, the James Madison one, um, not the best start in that one, but came back, made that really close game. James Madison's a heck of a ball club, but. Um, Pretty good non-conference season. Obviously, there's a lot of different takeaways um, from, obviously, Xavier stepping up and being that main guy and what this team can be going into conference season. Yeah, and I said eight and four. That's our overall record. We were eight and three in conference. As we know, it's just the 
Austin P, Wichita, and James Madison losses. Yeah, we should have, like I said, could make a case for undefeated. You know, and there could be a case, you know, some wins, you know, some wins that could have been losses easily, like Oklahoma State came down to the wire. And of course, on the other end, it's Wichita not getting that final shot to go, things like that. But, you know, you take care of North Dakota States, who are nice teams and other, you know, slew, you know, they've had the season that they've had, as we've said, but except, you know, not having, uh, you know, Sincere Parker, the best player, could have impacted that game. And Mike Meadows getting hurt early, some of their best players, but they still had a nice team and we throttled them. So overall, definitely a, like I said, kind of what we expected. And you could have flip-flopped a lot of these. And then that feeds into also, we've been thankful to have the home games that we've had. You know, we killed New Mexico State on the, uh, you know, neutral court. Like we said, should have beat James Madison. Other than that, we've had one or two counting Indiana state, but one non-conference road game at Wichita. So it's like, that's something this team needs to show the rest of the year. And clearly we'll know their conference in about two games or so, but um, this team needs to win on the road. They can't. And we said, take care of your home games. Yes, but you need to steal some games on the road and also just beat teams on the road. Like, like you should. So that's all wait and see, but that's what this team, I feel like at this moment needs to show. Maybe we'll touch on it again in a mailbag of what, um, along the same lines of stuff like that. So, no, let's get around the Valley before we move on here. Um, some games going on tonight and obviously some, some that even happened today and yesterday, some other Valley teams finishing out their non-conference, everything that's happened since the last time we talked, as we know, like we've said, Christmas was here. So they didn't, not a whole lot of games were like in a three or four day span, but like I said, some recent games, what are those? Cause there's some team, some games going on right now or one at least. Yeah, just going back to uh, the last time we spoke, uh, just a couple games that have happened. Uh, Belmont beat Arkansas State, a talented Arkansas State team, not the best record, 74-70. Evansville took care of Tennessee Tech in a blowout. Um, the team we play tomorrow, UIC, lost a one-point game to a bad incarnate word team, so tough drop by them. Illinois State blew out SEMO. Several Valley teams have already blown out SEMO. So I guess uh, it's good they're not on our schedule because that's just another blowout game. We obviously replaced them with a couple teams that tested us a little bit more than they would have. You and I went on, on the road and beat Northern Illinois by 13. That's a good win for them. Second team to go on the road and beat Northern Illinois, a really good MAC team. Uh, Bradley beat SIUE 75-64. Uh, that's Duke Dean's big game at 27. Um UAB beat Drake in overtime, 79-78. Anton Wright had 20 in that one. Tucker had 19 on 19 shots, 3 of 11 shooting. So if he's a little better, Drake gets a big win there. But they fall short in overtime. Second, then SMU blew out Murray State, 92-65. Murray State continues to struggle. Then on Saturday, big, big win and this team, I mean, me and Nick's, I know a lot of people aren't high on Dana Ford, but this team has the talent. Missouri State goes on the road and beats St. Mary's 69-64. Alston Mason at 19 in that one. Donovan Clay had 18, Chance Moore 16. So um, a big win over a team that I'm pretty sure they were picked to win their conference over Gonzaga, and they, I think they were top 15 to start the year. Um, they struggled a little bit. They're eight and six now, but huge road win for the conference and Missouri State, obviously, um, 
Then last night, Bradley blew out Truman State. Then today, Kentucky up 45-30. Um, Illinois State had a good a start in this one, but Antonio Reeves, I think, has played well, has 12 at halftime against his former team. Um, like I said, good start for the Redbirds, but nothing. Then earlier today, Elon beat Valpo. Valpo was without Isaiah Stafford in this game. Um, so that's their leading score. They lose by four to a, a decent Elon team. Schweiger had 21, Williamson 24. Uh, they started three freshmen, which was the first time since 2014 I've seen. So a lot of young guys playing for Valpo. Roger Powell doing his best with um, a lot of young guys playing. Then Evansville without two of their better guys. No Chuck Bailey the third, and no Ben Humrichus. So that's two guys that, but they're up on the road in Cincinnati, forty to thirty-two at halftime. Cincinnati was favored by eighteen going into this game. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it just shows that Evansville just, you know, isn't a, you know, isn't a pushover this year. We were kind of talking freely about just like wins in the conference, just like you know, saying it in general. And it's like, well, Evansville could get, you know, six to 10 wins this year. They could win some games that you wouldn't expect them to. I mean, they already, they already have one in conference. It was a big home win. Uh, but doing this without their two best players is kind of crazy. We know they still have Strawbridge and he's a top three player on that team, but just how great Chuck Bailey's playing and Hummer kisses or Hummer house is in, incredible, honestly. So that's, that's crazy. I think Cincinnati's missing some guys too, but not to the caliber of like importance to their team. Like Evansville is, hopefully they hold on, no doubt. And, yeah, I was watching a little bit of Illinois State. They're playing well. Miles Foster, for sure, he hit his first career three in that first half, apparently, according to their Twitter. Um, but they're playing well. Otherwise, Kentucky's just so talented and so deep, so they might pull away. But we know some Valley teams have fared well at Rupp Arena, us included. Not getting the job done, but we know Evansville did a long time ago. Uh, and then you said, yeah, I think that's the best win so far this year. You know, there's some that maybe I would be blanking off the top of my head. But as you said, St. Mary's maybe picked to win that conference. Gonzaga's continuously ranked. They're not the same team, but still that conference in general, the WCC. And you said they were ranked at one point before they're struggling. But the fact that it was on the road and you did it is kind of crazy. So we know how good Missouri State is. Yeah, we're, again, we're one of the few to give them credit. But uh, great job by Dana so far this year. They are a monstrous threat in the Valley this year. Um, so... No, I, I guess we can dive into future because by the time well, – we'll talk – I said we'll talk again on Sunday. So that we'll talk about the upcoming games into the new year for the league. So we'll push that off, actually. Um, obviously, we know – you know, Marcus and Lance have been playing well for their teams still. And obviously, Illinois got a big, uh, you know, devastating news of – personally, of Terrence Shannon Jr., the whole, the whole process with him – they don't know who's going to miss him. They played tonight against Fairleigh Dickinson, so we'll see how Marcus looks at arguably their second or third best player, see how his role increases with the Illini. Uh, as we know, Green Bay got a big win recently. Foster was a part of that uh, as well. And then we know what Dalton's been doing for Illinois State, just those just running through those quickly. Uh, now let's update the, the, the Kim Palm and Net rankings real fast. I think there was a thing mentioned how we were 89th where it stands currently in Net, which is really good. We've been bouncing from – 80s to fringe hundreds. Now we're back down, uh, and we want to stay within top 100, as we know, and staying within. You know, obviously we're top 90. We want to get within the 80 to 75 range. Just kind of obviously for the trajectory wise. What is 
like I said, besides that, if you want to name off any other teams that stick out to you in the top 89, uh, we know the teams that are ahead of us, I guess. And then what's the Kempom look like? Yeah, uh, Indiana State is still best in the conference. They're at 24 right now. They did get to like 14 at one point. They've slipped a little bit, obviously. Um, then, obviously, James Madison, the team we played, they're at 32. Um, but other teams in the conference, looking at where they stand in the net rankings, to scroll down, Drake at 74. Uh, they're, they're playing – even with their loss, they're still up there in rankings. We're at 89 right now, as you mentioned. Evansville is right behind us at 93. Um, so the Missouri State at 98. So we got quite a bit of teams in the top 100. So it's been a solid non-conference season for uh, the, the conference. We talked about it, how they could finish pretty good. Some decent opportunities. Bradley's down at 132. Obviously, no, they did get Connor Hickman back last night off injury. So hopefully they get better, but they had a struggling non-conference going seven and five. But for Ken Palm, we know we've been floating around, but we're at 103 right now. So that's if we can get into the top 100 and both, that'll be pretty good. Missouri State's right behind us, 104. Then you and I's at 106. If I scroll up here, I think Indiana State, um, looking where they at, because obviously we know um, they're in the, like I said, they're in the, they've been up there in net, but Drake at 72, um, I'm scrolling to see where Indiana State is, but I can't see them off. 60, I think 60, 60. yeah, right there. So, I mean, I don't know how your 23rd, I don't know the difference. Obviously, there's a lot of differences in Ken Palm and Net, but them being at 60 in Ken Palm and 23 in Net, that's pretty big difference. Usually, you're right, maybe 10, 10 or so spots off each other in either one. But, um, yeah, I mean, us being at 103, like I said, for what what we did in non-conference, say, Bradley at 125, so they're pretty close um, with their Net. So we have a lot of teams probably – UIC, I have to scroll all the way down for them because they've had, I mean, they've kind of surprised some people or they've been kind of a surprise of the Valley to be a takeaway from the, the overall Valley's non-conference. They're at 143. I think they started, I think they started the season at like 243. And I think they got to as high as like 113. They're currently at 148. So they have some decent road wins. I mean, they went and beat Loyola, but there are a couple of their losses. They could be up close to the top 100 if they didn't lose to like Green Bay and Carnet Word. Yeah, and we'll talk about them shortly. They're definitely an interesting team, and that's a giant leap. And those are the kind of leaps you want to have. You never want to be as low as they started, but, you know, the fact that Yakut just built them up to be this competitive, and we know how competitive they'll be in the league, and it's it, again, it starts tomorrow, but – Massive jump for them. And you're right, the difference between the two, that just shows because, you know, in terms of like, you know, March Madness in general, like the net is tied in with the NCAA more than Kim Palm. Kim Palm's its own entity. People obviously go off of it and it's a big deal. It has the adjusted offense and defense and all that stuff. And, you know, I guess because the United States defense is decent and their offense is one of the best in the country to where, uh, you know, of course, you know, they'd be pretty high in that regard. So whatever it takes into account, I, I believe net more than Kim Palm, but we'll clearly look at both because, yeah, the difference is kind of weird. 
along those lines. And we know Indiana state's got a massive opportunity tomorrow. So um, we'll see how they fare there. If they win that game against Michigan state, then I think everybody else should fold the rest of the way. Just kidding. But it'll be very hard the rest of the way for anybody to beat them. We were kind of thinking in our minds, Indiana state, we were going through their schedules. Like, yeah, then maybe they'll lose like any, anything's possible. They'll be surprised in some games, but I'm thinking like maybe three losses for the Sycamores in conference this year, max. Uh, so I actually, I leave it like at five max, but we'll see. And they're really good. We'll see if they get it done tomorrow. Um, so there is all of that. No, I had on here. We don't have to talk about it yet. It's just like tra- the trajectory of the awards around the Valley. So many people that stick out. This will be the deepest newcomer list we've had. A really good freshman list that we've had. You know, obviously the emergence of X for us. It's like, we want him to be in the player of the year. Whatever's it's guy like Bowen Bourne who's health, you know, not been healthy. Hasn't put up the numbers. And granted, there's only been two games. So all these guys will do their own thing in conference to really like matter for these awards because that's what it's, you know, specific for. But, uh, you know, some some surprises and some, you know, expect, you know, people meeting expectations and some not. So the trajectory of all these awards, we'll talk about it near the like the middle of conference play, what everything's going so far and obviously what it'll be near the end when we have our predictions at the end of the season. So the trajectory for a lot of stuff is kind of crazy as it stands. So. Like I said, we'll end with the mailbag here. Let's talk about the Flames of UIC. They have a lot of the same players that they had, you know, last year. Obviously, they lost a lot. They lost Jace Carter to Texas A&M. They lost Jalen Johnson to – where is it? They were predicted, like, top – they were in the recent bracketologies, actually. So, uh, you know, they they lost some talent. They lost Anderson from last year, but they've they've re-opted. Clearly, they got – They've added really – I mean, they're good in the portal, and a lot of guys have just took the next step in their development, Uh, and they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. We'll dive into a lot more, but what what should we initially know here from the Flames coming into Carbondale and matchups where we only beat them by a combined five points last year? So they're looking to beat us at some point, but hopefully that doesn't happen tomorrow night. What else should we know about them? Yeah, like I said, kind of been – or like I said earlier, kind of been a surprise – team of the Valley this year so far with the talent they've brought in. I mean, it's been kind of a up and down roller coaster, losing some games. They shouldn't um, lost their only home game in the Valley place so far at Illinois state, but with some solid wins, they took care of little, little rock by 15, went on the road, beat Loyola. They beat middle Tennessee state. who's a solid ball club on a neutral site, beat George Washington in that MTE as well. Uh, but they lose some losses here and there, but they're 49th in the country in three point percentage shooting about 37%. Um, they really, they really struggle to take care of the basketball so far this year. So, but yeah, like you said, defensively with guys, obviously starting leading the way, Toby O'Connie, six, eight wing that just with his length, he blocks shots and he can guard your best player. Um, than other guys you have to watch out for. Um, Isaiah Rivera, he's a Colorado State transfer. Um, he's an Illinois kid, came back home for his last year. I really thought this would be a guy we could have went after in the portal. We did not. Um, but he starts with O'Connor, C.J. Jones, a young younger player that he had an okay freshman year for him, a former three-star, originally committed to Mizzou, ended up decommitting, then ended up at UIC. So, Really talented player, averaging about nine points a game, three rebounds, and does a 
has assists and he leads in like five assists a game. So uh nine, five, and three for him as a one of the most improved players in the conference so far. Um then other guys, obviously Ethan Pickett, he's a spent time at two different JUCOs. He's coming in, starting with them. Skullball, we know him. Then Jaden Brownwell, their backup big, he can stretch the floor as well. Just other guys just to mention Stephen Clay, another younger guy. Marquise Kennedy, no, he got banged up or was banged up earlier than here. He hasn't done not done much for this team at all. So um, maybe injury wise, it's good we stayed away from him, didn't end up landing him. Then seven footer Cameron Finns off the bench is another guy. Yeah, they Rivera's the guy here, and I'm just initially thinking of matchups. But that's the guy we want Kennard to go get. You know, because Isaiah's got the size. He's a big point guard. It could be an X matchup, as we know. But just the fact that they have they have talent, as we said. I mean, scope ball stretches the floor. All these guys stretch the floor, as you said. They have spread scoring. They score 72. They only allow low 60s. And, yeah, they're top. You know, Connie is, you know, top five in the nation in blocks per game. And as a team, they are got 6.9 per game. They're leading the country, yeah. So um, they're, they're kind of crazy in that regard, you know, What's his, uh, Yakovic hasn't playing really well. And, you know, Tony Wills is back on the staff there. He's been bouncing around the valley. He's, he's over there doing a good job for him to get into where they are. You know, in general, this is a game we know we, we need to win because not only is it at home, but these are the kind of teams that you're kind of around in terms of like where, you know, obviously we were picked ninth, they were picked 10th. So it's okay. We know hopefully none of the, neither of these teams finish where they are. If anything, we would like to think UIC would be one to live up to that lower level of the conference. So this, in general, is a game we need to win because we just feel like we're a better team and we want to be higher up in the standings. Uh, so, no, if we're – we already know a spread. You said it was six points, which definitely makes sense to me. Initially, I was maybe thinking six to eight, and, six to eight, and there it is. No, they're interesting. They're really good. Rivera's a really good player. Do you think we cover that spread at home tomorrow night? And who do you think sticks out on our end as a dog of the game? Yeah, definitely think it's the right spread. I think it's going to be, obviously we saw the two games last year. Um, we got to travel up to UIC and see the one on the road too, but we blew the 15 point lead or whatever we had at home and they should have won. It didn't get a shot off at the end. Um, going to be a tough fight. Like I said, this is, way Yaklich has these guys playing, I think they could um sneak sneak pat sneak past with some of these like Missouri State who's struggling, the Illinois states of the world if they keep playing well. So definitely one we need to take care of and uh I think we do end up covering the spread. I think it could be a seven point win, not very very much, but one we gotta take care of to get to one and one in conference play. Um as long as we take care of business, but I'm going with dog of the game. I'm going to go with uh, Clarence Rupert. I think this is a big matchup. He can take advantage of and have a good game. It's a great point. And because their bigs are stretched that maybe in the paint, they're tough, they're strong, but we definitely need some big games. And I'll go with Kennard. And I might, I was going to sprinkle on AJ. If he plays, it's like we said, if these guys play if they're off injury, it's good to see they could be dogs to the game in that sense. But Kennard, because I think he is going to guard Rivera. So keep an eye out for that. Kennard always does a great job. Um, yeah, I'm thinking I, – I think it's going to be a close game. That's If we win by more than 10, I'd be surprised just because we know how talented they are and defensively, offense could be could be hard to come by. So, yeah, need to get to one-on-one because, as we know, 
you know, there's games coming up that we feel like we have good, you know, advantages in and good chances too. So obviously we need to not start 0-2. That'd be a tough start and get to, you know, right off these wins and get to a favorable record before some of those really hard conference games come up in the new year. So that's the matchup. So now quickly here, let's end with this mailbag. Some questions that we had, I kind of had a late tweet. One of the tweeted more in the morning or after early afternoon, but we'll run these through real fast. Mr. Mediocrity, who's a big follower of ours, is one of our first mentions and said, this year's dogs have exceeded expectations so far this season. What has surprised each of you most? And we kind of already initially talked about it. No, clearly it's X. We did not expect X to be this great. You had him on the second team, which 100% is what I should have had him as well. I had him on third. We knew he had to be the guy for us this year, but we didn't see this, especially off injury. No, this is one of the biggest surprises in the whole country. I mean, he's on people, you know, small draft accounts are talking about him. He's on these fantasy drafts for people who cover college basketball and stuff. He's one of the best mid-major players in the country, one of the best players in the country. No, is that your biggest surprise this season? And who else do you think, or team-wise, maybe like three-point shooting as a team, or who else individually has surprised you? And it could be bad, too. It could be like R.J. McGee not being most. Those could factor into what is yours. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, outside of X, I mean, obviously X leading second in the country in scoring, leading the conference by five points. And not only leading the conference in scoring, he's leading the conference in assists, beating Darius Navarro out right now and C.J. Jones of UIC. So uh, this guy and what he does defensively, taking away guards of the other team. But, yeah, I'd say the other biggest surprise would be the the whiffs on the transfer guys, out, excluding Jared Hensley. I mean, outside of that, I mean, it's just surprising that – just where, I mean, obviously we talked about a lot, where RJ came from and obviously being high on a younger guy and Trey Miller just hasn't clicked yet for him here. But obviously there's time for him, but RJ has no time and we doubt we barely see him the rest of the way, especially if AJ's healthy. So I'd say the whiffs on the portal, I mean, it's been a problem for this coaching staff. Yeah, Jarrett's for sure a hit even through three games. Yovan's hit or miss, but we need to count on him. I don't think the other guys we can count on as much. But, yeah, I think we're just over – and especially me, I'll take the blame for overdoing it on the potential of a lot of these guys knowing that Trey was still a freshman and coming to a higher level. Should have expected it, and I, uh, we knew it was there. And, of course, you know, I was harping on it more, most. But definitely, yeah, definitely the struggles of some of these new guys. And, yeah, Trey's got a long way to go. Uh, for sure, X, maybe Trent's healthy emergence from three. Other than that, it's kind of been what we expected, you know, it, a steady team. I think the offense as a team overall has been a nice – uh, surprise and like I said the three-point shooting I would think so thanks for that tweet Mr. Mediocrity and then we have one M- NBC commenter who do you who do you guys think Sheridan Sharp or Trey Miller will submit themselves as the backup point guard no I think it's too early to tell for Sheridan I think he's still got to work his way in here um, you know obviously Trey's been getting the bulk of the you know he's played in all but one game it seems like they're still confident in him I think it's Trey's spot still but we like to see Sheridan push him. Clearly, we want to see both play. But in conference season, no, that's maybe far-fetched to see Sheridan play much. This seems like Trey Miller's job. Your thoughts on that? And then give me your overall final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, my answer for that question is I don't think there is a backup point guard. I think X is going to be ridden 40 minutes, and it's a shame it is. But I just think it would be Trey if he, if he does get spare minutes. But – We've seen Troy running the backup point sometimes, so maybe Troy is the actual answer. But, yeah, definitely definitely 
excited for get back into action, getting back in the arena and starting, like I said, the road to St. Louis. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you. X is going to get 35 or more minutes a game. He's going to get more than that. He is going to play borderline 40 to where, yeah, this question might be moot in that point. But um, if, if we were to pick one, it's definitely Trey. And as you said, Troy could be that as well. We'll, we'll see Troy handle the ball as well. And, those, and we have some other questions, but they're more like futuristic ones as aside from the current team. So we'll save those. But everybody, feel free to keep messaging. Messaging us, DMing us, if you have anything that we want us to talk about on these pods throughout the whole conference season. We'll be here to discuss, and we want to get the mailbag portion going more and more. So we'd appreciate it if you guys did that. And we appreciate the guys who let us who uh, let us know and said something earlier today. So, yeah, it's definitely a game we need to take care of tomorrow. Conference play is here. It's the best time of the year. And like I said, this isn't the last episode of 2023. We'll talk to you guys more than likely on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve day on Sunday hopefully with a win that gets the dogs to one and one. So for Nick Malone, no lurch as always. See you guys on Sunday. Go dogs.